Hey, welcome along to Top Shelf Tech. Uh, today we have joining us uh, uh, Josh Munro, the Executive Vice President of um, Megaport for the Asia-Pacific region. Um, welcome along, Josh. Thanks very much for having me, Jeremy. Uh, well, personally, I'm, I'm pretty uh, stoked to have you on with this one for two reasons. One, one I um, shared a little bit of on LinkedIn the other day is that I think Megaport's been one of those uh, true disruptors, like, you know, having come from a bit of a telco background, when Megaport launched, I was like, wow, this thing's, this thing's cool. So I'm um, very excited about that. And secondly, you are our first international guest joining us. So um, I know you're just uh, our cousins across the ditch, but um, yeah, aw awesome in that sense as well. So did you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, a lot of personal front. I've got, got a wife, two kids, two young boys. One's three, one's one. Uh, most of the time when I I'm, uh, when I'm not working, I'd like to get out in the water, go for a surf and, uh, and play a little bit of golf on weekends again when I get the chance with, uh, with a young family. Where are um, about so you based in Aussie? So I'm actually in a small town called Newcastle. I spend most of my time in Sydney. So I was, was based in Sydney for about 15 odd years, but with, with work travel and taking me away a fair bit from the family, it was nice to have a bit of family support around. So yeah, spend a, spend most of my time in Sydney, but uh, based up in Newcastle. Nice. I'm a... I'm a surfer as well not not really as much as i'd like to nowadays but um i i often um i watch the v8 supercars um and it's my the newcastle race would be my favorite race and i just love seeing the city in the in the in the surf right there you know it's a bit of a unique combination i think yeah it's a it's a great city i, I grew up here went down to sydney and uh, always knew i was going to end up back here at some point in, in time and was lucky enough that you know megaport with the flexibility of uh remote working let, let me sort of move back here so it's been a you know, really enjoyable couple of years since I've been back home. Awesome. Uh, that's, 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 uh, that's great. In, in Megaport, um, you were on right from the start, right? Um, I think we were just talking and you were saying the first day billing went out was July 2014, and that was when you started? Is that about right? It was. It was. So ultimately, we start, started the organisation, but well, Bevan, Bevan Slattery, 2013, um, you know, well known in the tech industry, uh, mainly yep. Australia, but you know, on a, on a global scale at, at the moment, um, with pipe networks in, in the early days, and then started NextDC data centers, uh, as well as Superloop and, and Megaport. So he's had had four or five listings on the ASX, and all of uh, all of all have tended to do quite well. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing track record, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. So yeah, 20, 2014, 1st of July, um, started at Megaport and. You know, if, if somebody told me how big we were going to be uh, today, back then, you know, that was a wild dream at the time. But you could see uh, the passion with the, with the young team and um, you know, the people that Bevan surrounds himself with and the culture that he creates. It's uh, it's no surprise that he's done this over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And what what um, what was what's I guess behind Megaport? What was the problem that it was set up to solve, and um, how did you you and the team go about doing that? Yeah, so I guess 2013, when, when Bevan first founded the company, he started actually laying fibre, which which a lot of people don't know about Megaport in the early days. So started laying the fibre um, around Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne metros, connecting all the key um, data centres and then lease lines sort of between the, the capital cities. Um, but ultimately, when he was at Next DC, he, he noticed probably mainly in Sydney where you had you know, Equinix Global Switch, big international data centres, yeah. They had majority of the ecosystem. So if you weren't in one of their facilities, how did you access the services that they offered? So it was a, you know, signing up for a 12, 24, 36 month term for a, you know, traditional telco or carrier type service mm. from your data center into Equinix to gain access to that one service. Now, what happens if you want 10 services, 10 lease lines? So it becomes quite, quite inefficient. 
So basically, Bevan wanted to break down the four walls of that data center and open up you know, the footprint or, the, or that platform and create a true ecosystem. So ultimately, you wanted to be able to connect from any data center within inside the metro, and you wanted to do it at a similar price point to a physical cross-connect within the same location. So basically, was creating that, yeah, so creating that ecosystem to, to allow, you know, I guess, choice of service, ultimately, giving people that couldn't afford to go into those, you know, large international data centers who might have been in a smaller, smaller facility for cost base or whatnot, allowing them to, you know, I guess, level the playing field and give them the same services at a, you know, at a similar price point. Yeah, and um, I, I guess, you know, some of those data centres you mentioned, you would be paying, if you had to put equipment in there and a rack in there, it'd be thousands and thousands a month before you even got started with uh, telco services. And, and I guess part of that's the proliferation of services. You, you know, in the past, you probably had a, a, a head office and you probably had a co-location data centre and you probably, you know, didn't need to connect to too many things. But uh, cloud happened, right? And how much how much did responding to the cloud um, tie into the, whole megaport story yeah that, that was a big big piece of i guess the i guess the vision that bevan had so back in 2014 when i started we're only interconnected api integration with uh, with aws so we had that level of automation um, we're only connected to probably somewhere around 18 maybe 20 data centers um, back in 2014 and you know to put that in perspective we're over 340 350 today uh, we're exiting you know the, the um this year hopefully about 380 um by, by June 30. So we've got a whole bunch in the pipeline that are going live over the next couple of days. Awesome. Um, but yeah, the the cloud platform um, and the hyperscalers for us has been a key reason we move into new regions. Um, and also they love the fact that Megaport enables so many data centers around each metro. So you know, if, if you're familiar with those hyperscalers, they connect to probably maybe one or two cloud on-ramps, as they say, um, within each metro. And then Megaport connects the rest of that metro and those data centers around and allows those customers to, to connect in. So Azure quickly came 2014, Google Cloud Platform, Alibaba, Oracle, SAP, IBM, um, you know, they all came obviously over the next few years. Um, yes. And obviously the breadth of services that we have now um, compared to you know, when I started 2014, connecting to one service such as AWS, um, a lot of the platform was used for our internet exchange in the early days and also data center to data center interconnectivity. So um, you know the, the cloud platform now makes up somewhere between sixty-five and seventy percent of all connections across Megaport. So it's a you know, it's a pretty impressive um, number, considering yeah. like I said, we only had AWS in, in the early days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Mega, Megaport was really bold, I think, for um, a couple of reasons. One is firstly applying software-defined networking to carrier. I think that was probably about the last place um, probably people expected to see that um, turn up. Uh, first and foremost, and that you know, ability to dial up and down um, bandwidth and uh, do, do things like that on, literally on the fly. But I think the second piece of that is you, you offered a service where somebody bought a port and there really wasn't a lot of commitment uh, beyond that. And so from a, a commercial perspective, it was a, it was a massive punt. How, how did the telco industry respond to that? That, you know? Yeah, look, obviously really, really disruptive technology. And again, but, but Kevin's vision, you, you, you sort of, he, he just sees things that people don't see. Um, the, the cloud platforms, as they'd come out, you know, people were used to spending significant amount of capital to set up their own infrastructure, maintain that. You know, a lot of overheads that come with that uh, from a resources point of view, people point of view, making sure that you can continue to develop. And if you run out of rack space, having to go and procure new racks, things like that. So the I guess the utility-based billing model had already worked at, on, on a 
number of different product sets and that was usually like you said from sort of layers three and above um taking it down to the network layer was definitely a risk and it was something that in the early days the telco players we probably didn't come across them as much as you know as we did with someone like an equinix cloud exchange or or or, you know cloud exchange platforms in general they the telcos were still quite fixed on the MPLS network and whatnot. It probably wasn't until sort of mid to late 2015 that we really started to come up against the telcos. And that was when they were really starting to play and try and get that same level of automation. So we had a year and a half sort of head start. And obviously the reach that we've got, the breadth of services that we've got um, to the cloud on ramps, um, you know, I think we're the largest now cloud on ramp um, partner in the world. So we connect more hyperscaler on ramps um, than any other provider, um, and yeah, you know, that's a that's a really cool story to to give customers the option to to get to so many different services. Like you said, from that one physical port in Sydney, you can connect to you know a cloud on ramp in the in the US or or the UK. So it's been a a, a really disruptive technology in the sense that the, the the connectivity model, like you said, from the traditional carriers. Um, you've seen a few of them starting to play in this space now. So, you know, they're all working on SDN technology. Um, but yeah. to automate old clunky networks, you know, we had the we had that blank canvas, right? So built it from, from ground up and they're definitely playing, um, you know, starting to play in that space. And I think that, like I said, Bevan's seen this before, before it was required. Um, you know, I remember early days, 2014, it was everyone was trying to shift their mindset to why would I buy connectivity on a, on a you know, pay-as-you-go basis I'm, I'm used to having that fixed amount of bandwidth for a, for a yeah. fixed period of time so it was really just changing the mindset um of the people and again we were lucky enough to have the cloud providers you know do that before us yeah and look, i mean we're, we're, one little use case that we used it for um, um recently was we were, we were testing a backup system for a customer and um uh, between a couple of data centers one in auckland one in, in hamilton and we thought oh um, we really want to know the limits of this, right? And um, and, and know the limits of what the um, how how quickly we can back up and restore um, for this um, government entity. And so what we uh, what we did is um, dialed up the um, dialed it up to about ten gig um, for about an hour, pushed as much traffic through, and went, oh yeah, cool. We can actually um, push five gig down this link. But you know, previously you'd never go sign up for a you know ten gig <laughs> link because you'd, you'd, somebody would ask you for a twelve month contract or a thirty six month contract for that much bandwidth, and um, it just just wasn't possible. So you know, dial it up and dial it back down. It was um, it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think the we're starting to see some of the telcos playing that space. Most of them are for, for the international connectivity type components, but um, that that's exactly what we wanted. You know. We wanted customers to be able to pay for what they wanted. Um, you, you find in the old traditional telco model, and you know, I've been working working there for for many years now. And the the early days was customers would get upset, you know, if they were halfway through a contract and, like you said, they'd signed up for ten gig and they're thinking, I don't need this anymore. Yeah, you, 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 that that relationship becomes, you know, over the next six months it becomes quite sour, and there's a good chance you're going to lose that business. Whereas if you give them that flexibility to consume what they want, there's a good chance that they, they're not going to turn things off but they'll they'll turn things up and down to commit to those spends that they require yeah it's a tough game isn't it when you look you need commitment for payback but you know you the, the world's shifting so quickly um and, and, and in terms of shifting uh megaport keeps um keeps changing as well um uh mcr megaport cloud router a nice addition to the um sdn carrier networking one that we've become quite fond of uh, and and just as an example of that customer we were deploying recently had uh, three different um, data centres in Australia, or one traditional data centre and two clouds, um, and they were a 
New Zealand-based company. In the past, you had to either go still put a router in a rack somewhere in Australia or you had to bring the traffic back to New Zealand. Uh, but with MCR2, we dialed up a couple of um, cloud routers and they had, you know, fully resilient connectivity going the fastest path through Australia and only coming back to New Zealand when needed. So uh, cool, cool product there. And I guess my question for you is, What's what's next? And I, I you know, of course, um, being public listed, there's probably all sorts of um, uh, slides that you should splash up about forward-looking statements and um, and whatnot. But if, um, can you can you give us a sense of um, does Megaport have anything up the sleeve? Yeah, look, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the the key to innovation is to keep doing it right. So we've. Um, we, I mean, we had a similar product set with the, with the Megaport and the VXC platform as well as our internet exchange for many years, but there was additional features being added to that product set um, and we'll, we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to make sure that our, you know, that, that flagship product that was our that was our sort of baby and where it all got started, um, that, that will continue to, to be a big part of the network, but we'll definitely be innovating around that Megaport cloud router too. So we've, we've re released um, basically a looking glass so you can do some route diagnostics and things like that um, today. So that was released, uh, I believe, at the end of last week. Um, and then we've got some, you know, some additional route filtering type tools that will be coming available um, at, at, you know, at some point over the next probably three or four months. And then from there, um, you know, there's a whole bunch that you can do once you've got servers in the network. So the, the Megaport cloud router, there'll definitely be plugins and new products developed around that, um, as well as obviously additional feature sets being added to the, um, to the existing um, platform. So the the fundamentals of, of Megaport and how many data centers we reach means that this overlay of Megaport Cloud Router ultimately gives you the same level of, of flexibility. It gives you the same access to all of the different services that are on Megaport um, or Megaport's platform. But yes. ultimately, now you don't have to have that physical infrastructure. So when we were when we were operating the, the ports and the VXEs, you're still limited basically to are you in one of our data centers? And that was our total addressable market. Now it's are you in the cloud or are you in multiple clouds? Um, and again, that cloud router opens up a lot of opportunity for customers that that don't want to have to have you know their own physical infrastructure, that don't want to own their own IP space, that don't want to go and get their ASN. Uh, it just gives them that level of flexibility to consume services um, at a layer two, and you know there's certain products that are only available via um, Direct Connect or Express Route, Google's GCP platform that you can't get over public internet. And this yes. is where that you know that cloud router will certainly become um, an innovation hub, I guess, for Megaport, and we'll start plugging services into that. Um, the other the other thing that you'll see, I guess, from Megaport, uh, you know, asking what's next, definitely will be looking at new markets. Um, you know, France just came on. Last month, um, there's probably a few new few new regions that we'll be looking at for, for the Asia Pac region um, as well. So, over the next you know 12 18 months, we'll be hitting new markets, new countries. There'll be, like I said, further product development um, and enhancements to our existing product set. Uh, and then, like I said, I think a lot of that innovation you'll start to see will be around that cloud router product. Um, we've, we've built the fundamental the network, um, and now we're just going to continue to like I said, just plug services on top of it, which is what customers want. So there's also, you know, that tier two cloud cloud providers who operate maybe potentially just more regionally. Yes. We'll start bringing those on. So you see all the tiles in the, in the portal. Um, ultimately, we'll start adding some, you know, some more unique, um, I guess, providers in, inside those inside those metros that customers are requesting. Awesome. Sounds like you're going to um, have a busy time ahead then. <laughs> yeah, it will be. It's... 
it's uh, every year you keep thinking, oh, I hope you know the team's getting bigger. Um, I think at the end of two thousand fifteen, when we listed, were circa I guess forty people, um, and yeah. I, re- I distinctly remember a conversation, um, you know, early early uh, twenty sixteen, that we're all together and we sort of said, oh. We think if we hit a hundred people, that's about that's about the max that we need to get this thing truly global. Um, yes, and you know, we're, we're over 200, 200 staff this financial year. We've gone over, and yeah, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's slowing down anytime soon. So it was, it's been a, it's been an amazing journey, and um, you know, the, the passion's still there. It still operates like it's a startup because we are doing new, cool, innovative things. We're getting into new markets and new regions and so the excitement levels are certainly still there and we've got you know we've just got a phenomenal team uh, of people that are that are really pushing to to get this thing into as many hands as possible awesome yeah well congratulations to yourself and the team josh it's a it's a cool company we certainly work uh, like working with you guys and i know our customers um, really enjoy the uh, services as well so it, look thanks a lot for joining us today um any any last thoughts you'd like to share with us no, no, not not too much. I'll uh, like I said. Thanks so much for having me on. I, you know, it's really cool working with uh, with organisations like yourself, and uh, it's great to see you know customers coming up to, with us with new use cases, things that we potentially didn't think we were building the platform for. But it, it's really cool to see you know, like I said, organisations like yourself that are that are uh, innovating on top of our platform and making you know the best use and, and coming up with new use cases for us to to continue to innovate. So, uh, you know, really appreciate the time that you've given us today. And, um, yeah, thanks very much. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. And uh, thank you to everybody who's joined us on Top Shelf Tech today. Cheers.